Hello and welcome to this week's Statsman Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knutson. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> we're going to rattle through this, Ted, because it's <laughs> early in the morning. We're, we're fit, fitting this in for you guys, you realise. We're Ted's busy today, and I, you know, I've got plenty to do, but an early morning podcast. And lots to talk about, mainly nothing much from the weekend. That's just kind of, you know, passed by. Didn't really... Nothing eventful happened. Lots of games in midweek, so... That's what we're going to talk about, isn't it, Ted? I believe so, yeah. Um, there's a, a thing that happened on the weekend that probably needs to be covered. I don't know. Actually, oh, there are really? a number of things on the weekend. And, and not only that, but we should probably start <laughs> with uh, another manager firing. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hughes went. I mean, that's, that wasn't a big surprise, was it? Three wins out of 22. Even if you could look at his numbers and say, like, man, they were, weren't so bad. You got three wins out of 22, mate. Well, I mean... It was not a great hire the first time around, and it was kind of a, a an off kilter Southampton hire as well, and they seem to have <laughs> paid for that in in this way. Uh, the rumor is that they're likely to go to Hasenhutl next, which is like a huge step up. Yeah, and that's quite exciting, isn't it? Um, and I've been thinking like. Why would he take the Southampton job? You know, surely Hasenhutl would hold out, hold out for a little bit better. But still the Premier League, the lure of the Premier League, when someone actually asks you. I think we've probably had this before. Sometimes you you think that you know every single Premier League job that comes up should be, uh, you know, they should be lining up to hire like kind of German-based coaches, and it doesn't really happen. And Well, Southampton have been there for a while, and the perception from outside is that, you know, they're a pretty solid Premier League club. They are good at sort of providing young talent. Um, And I think that that squad is probably better than the results have reflected overall. Uh, So, yeah, I I don't think it's a a bad sign. Well, if it happens, like, Hassan is an an excellent choice. And it's early enough in the season that, you know, he doesn't feel buried. Like, that bottom section, as we've talked about, is really quite tight. So, got a good chance to, to do something interesting with that club. I think one of the interesting things I thought was um, I've listened to something on I think it was on Radio Five last night and they were talking about it and they're saying oh you know will it be what will it be like for him to bring his 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 pressing in in the middle of a season that could be difficult and then uh, the Man United game Man United Southampton like because we collect pressure data Southampton pressed like demons in that game. <laughs> they they hadn't quit on Hughes, or maybe they were trying to impress the new guy. I don't know. You know, something was going on, but it's it's not like this. This squad is incapable of uh, putting in a shift. So you know, maybe that's a better fit than might might look might look like on the surface. So who knows? We'll see. But yeah, Looking that's forward to it. definitely an exciting potential. Uh, and again, you know, another co- coaching upgrade. I think I, I stood up for Hughes a little bit when they when they when they hired it, mainly because the entire analytics community was like. Oh, Mark Hughes. <laughs> um, I tried to play devil's advocate a little bit, but yeah, it hasn't worked out. That's that, that's undeniable, and he's been sacked twice in a year. Not a good look, but anyway, he can go on holiday now. Yeah, you know, and and his, my sense is, I don't know this, but my sense is his ego won't allow him to take kind of a a lower job that's not an excellent offer but like his record for this period of time so like I've, i'm on record in like 13 14 saying like mark hughes is basically the statistically average premier league manager and that's true as of that time period mm. but the league has changed dramatically since since i wrote that and the quality of coaches has been way way higher over the last four or five seasons than it was before then yeah i mean Pulis is an interesting example because like a very similar thing happened with him at West Brom. He went over the kind of two seasons 
uh, you know, back in the one season start of last season, and uh, he had some like three wins in twenty or something, and that's the bottom line. If if, if you stop getting wins, then <laughs> what what are you there for? You yeah. Know? So you know, and he was always the kind of you know unrelegatable Pulis and you know the, the firefighter kind of coach. So yeah, interesting to see if we, if we're finally transitioning out of these kind of um, uh, older coaches that have been kind of. Stinking out the league, is that, that's a little unfair, isn't it? Um, I know plenty of people think that way, but <laughs> yeah, so we've moved on. Anyway, what were you talking about? Oh, yeah, you should get this bloody North London derby out of the way then. Oh, Ted. okay, oh, if we have to. For God's sakes. Yeah, there were some good parts, like for about five minutes in the first half. When the, the fighting was good, quite enjoyed that, it was fun. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> as, as is well known, uh, Spurs have a lot of shitheads. Um, Arsenal have, have recruited shitheads recently, so it, uh, it's a bit more sparky than it has been in, in recent seasons, and that, that made for uh, some entertainment. Eric Dyer, uh, you know, doing Eric Dyer things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> Stefan Licksteiner not tolerating it, which I... <laughs> he's mine now, so I might as well enjoy it. <laughs> All on Licksteiner, that is. Yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was good fun. I mean, from a neutral, I think, you know, possibly one of the games of the season... Um, I'm not a neutral, so it wasn't my game of the season at all. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's interesting stories, right? Like Spurs go from kicking the bejesus out of I'm not literally this time, but as they usually do, uh, out of Chelsea, and like you know that that match was not close, and then Arsenal go in and just do the same to to Spurs, obviously at home, but it's it's like the first time that Arsenal have really looked lively uh, across two halves this season. And they dominated that second half, which looked really rocky for a moment. Uh, I don't know what happened with Son. Maybe he had his slick shoes on or something like that. But uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, if I'm going to like make the case for the defence for Tottenham, because, you know, it's, it's, it's one game. Yeah, Chelsea aren't bad just because Tottenham just beat them the week before. But it was that, that was the third uh, tough game in a week for Tottenham. They played... Uh, Chelsea and then Inter in midweek Arsenal sent their reserves to um, play in the Europa League so maybe a little bit fresher and centre back uh, that was Vertonghen's second game back after he's he's had a good few weeks out injured uh, one for still still young you know big game I, I don't know it was and goals just went in as well I mean the Lacazette goal was the one that really got me when he hit yeah. it and he, he, he slipped and hit it and you just thought oh well he's messed he's messed up my son and I were watching that on the on the couch and I was like oh that's not I go oh my god yes (laughs) yeah that wasn't my reaction Ted (laughs) but uh, and then yeah Torreira's goal was I mean I I like Torreira I'm happy for him to do well not necessarily in that game but it was it was good to see him kind of get his moment um, you know as as a as an Arsenal player, in, you know, in, the, in his first derby, again I've got my neutral hat on there. But um. no, it's it's good, you know. As as most people know, like we're we're fairly laid back on here. Like we don't you know dial up the rivalry at all. Um, so yeah, for for us looking at, at this game, I mean, it, it does ask a lot of questions now. Like, are Arsenal the team that played that that match, or the team that's played the rest of the season? Uh, that's hard to tell. Yeah, it really is. Um, because you'd presume that they'd improve like through the season and with um 
you know, with more and more coaching, and uh, I don't know, the, the kind of little small anecdotal bits coming out about Wenger's time, you just feel a little. <laughs> they feel there's a lot of stuff about the goalkeeping coach. You, you start oh to wonder. Oh my god! Yeah, are these parodies? Are these are these real no. anecdotes? <laughs> no, and I could easily be taken in by one now. Well, I mean, there there are a lot of them, so they add up to it being a mess. Like actually, Chamberlain left. Arsenal offered him more money. Is is what I have been told allegedly. And uh, and he's just like, no, I want to go someplace where I'm going to get better coaching because this place is like fairly crazy. And obviously he goes to Liverpool and it you know, starts to look amazing, but his body breaks down again. Um, so, yeah, it's a I don't know. It, it's it's nice to see Arsenal do really well. But really, for me, it's nice to see them put in like a serious performance statistically yeah. um, and, and dominant for once. Yeah, I mean they were undoubtedly better. The first twenty twenty five minutes, Tottenham just just rocking. Uh, Tottenham got back in the game. Well, uh, you you pointed this one out too, and and you kind of we t- we talked about like your subs and, and things like that. Arsenal made two very aggressive subs. Uh, Emery did, and those subs were you know it will be had a great first twenty minutes, and mm. and you know he kind of fell off in in the rest of the half. But then suddenly they they did some adjustments again. Two subs come in, and and they go right back to being dominant. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very entranced and enticed by the idea that that was deliberate. Uh, just you know, you, two attacking midfielders. Give me forty five minutes where you actually just kill yourselves by running and running into the ground, and that's maybe what you need to do against someone like Tottenham or City or someone. Literally, you need more than eleven men if. Uh, you know, they're, they're absolute peak if, you, if you're going to kind of outrun them. So, yeah, just a couple of subs at half time, bring in two new guys, completely fresh, get them to run their legs off for 45 minutes. And if it's part of a plan, well, I think we've endorsed this kind of idea before. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's. I I hope that's what the plan was, and that's how it, and that's how it panned out because it it would be smart then try and out outrun Tottenham. Or, Speaking of Spurs, sure though, mm-hmm. they they had that that amazing transfer window. And amazing in the fact that like nothing happened, which is the first time that that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they need? Well, maybe maybe we could see them being you know frisky in January for once, right? Yeah, you feel like yeah. I've said this before. You, they must be a young player that they can sign for five or ten million quid just to put into their squad who could develop and become brilliant. And what anyway. Fullback. Everyone keeps going on about fullbacks. Um, I'm mm, probably less concerned about fullbacks than than others. Uh, central midfielders is just the one because the, the list of central midfielders have got issues. Dembele's forever injured, and everyone always thinks they can. They just need to replace Dembele. Um, it feels like Eric Dyer plus one more always. Wanyama has just been very variously unsighted for the best part of a year since he got injured. There's so many of these players in the. In the I squad. almost forgot that he's on that squad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, Harry Winks. I mean, you asked me this question yesterday as, as preps. Like, what does Tottenham mean? It's like it's hard to know what Tottenham run in central midfield because it changes. They've got different types of player, like you know Winks or Wanyama kind of thing. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean. <sighs> It feels like Eric Dyer is going to play with someone, and whoever that might be changes against the opposition. And sometimes they've played more of a three with uh, Sissoko. That was quite funny as well. Sissoko's like Indian summer that seems to have lasted about three weeks. And then obviously, <laughs> obviously against against Arsenal, people are like, mm, actually, <laughs> I remember this guy. And so immediately he's back to getting and, slightly and, harsh. And, and the tide treatment. of requests like in my mentions about, you know, can we see the Sissoko stats? Come on, come on. You got to tell us that he's good now. 
I'm like, well, he's less bad. I think that's kind of how we're looking at it. He does what he does, and you know, it's it's, it's still... he runs a lot. He, he's a perfect Harry Redknapp player. He, he you're saying that he's, he felt like he was off the pace a bit. I mean, again, tough week. Three uh, tough, yeah, three tough games. He felt and, like he was slightly off the jogging about a bit, and then <laughs> it, so to be fair, like it might be the the schedule and the tough games and the injuries and the thinner squad bit them a bit. Yeah, you know, we talked about I think just last week how Spurs front four were finally back, the starting front four that you wanted to see. Yeah, um, but yeah, like uh, the the issues are further back. Yeah, definitely. So have you got, you've got some ideas, haven't you, about this? Who Tottenham can stick? Who Tottenham could yoink out of the world and create it as their new midfielder? So, like, I'm not sure that I have that many ideas. I I think that more it's the the concept that we have some names that fit some statistical profiles. Um, okay. Ideas are hard to come by, and and when you and I talked, like, one of the things that you flagged up was that you know you really could use a Musa Sissoko or, or not Sissoko, but Dembele uh, replacement. And as as we've been talking about for like many many years now, he's one of the hardest profiles to to fill from a statistical one. He's one of the most unusual statistical profiles there is in the entire data set. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I was like really surprised when I ran across uh, a guy that whose name you might be familiar with as a potential, you know, signing uh, that I pitched to you and you laughed off because it never happens. <laughs> but uh, there's a guy at Chelsea who's playing at Milan right now. And uh, he's uh, at first, man, the press just absolutely demolished him. Like the Italian press hated him. And now, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, well, he's been one of our best players for the last, you know, five, six games. And it's, it's kind of amazing to see the press, like, really flip that way, especially for a black player in, in Italy. It's a bit of a surprise. Um, so, yeah, Timoe Bakayoko. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've followed this this story a little bit as well. And it's, it's interesting. I, let's just say something. I really don't think that uh, Chelsea and Tottenham are friends. <laughs> So, I, so I'd be surprised. Uh, various issues around Modric and Willian, uh, probably because uh, they've driven that. But stop, stop stealing and uh, and unresting our players. Is that that's not a word, but it is. Yeah, it just it was just a uh, yeah. They've they've not got on in that kind of realm. So I'd be surprised. Yeah, but Josie's not there anymore. Michael Manalo's gone. It's a new era, James. It's kinder and gentler football. Yeah. Well. I, what do you think about the idea? First of all, before you poo-poo it for like ridiculous rivalry reasons. Well, I, yeah, I'm I'm a bit torn really because I I had, I had this idea about Monaco. Like Man City seemed to be the one one team that got the best out of picking the bones of that that uh, that rather good Monaco team of that one of you know I think 16, 17 they won the title. And yeah, Baku's he's had a tough eighteen months, so it's. It's hard to know. I mean, he's definitely... It's def- a very Daniel Levy deal, you know. Coming in when when it seems like an asset is a bit down. He's been banished to Milan, you know, not not a real contender for, for like, the Italian title anyway. You know, this this could work. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, he'd, be, he'd be a fun reclamation project, really. I mean, so, so someone probably, whether it's Milan or someone else, will, will, will buy him at some point. And... Yeah, I don't know. I just I just can't see him crossing the, crossing the divide. But so one of the things that uh, that someone else flagged up was that they were worried that I would just be taunting uh, Torreira's stats. <laughs> right. 
You're like, you know, if if you're gonna give us names, don't just don't just tell us how good Torreira's been for Arsenal. <laughs> this is, this is the thing because there's there's an idea that uh, Tottenham need to go out and I mean I I think this is not a bad idea. Tottenham need to dump fifty million on someone's table and say we want your ma- magnificent midfielder. But Torreira is the perfect example. He was um, I don't know twenty five thirty million or something coming out of Italy. Young guy, he had a very promising kind of season. looked looked like a talent and. You know, Arsenal found him. So these players exist. You know, you've just got to, you've just got to you've just got to be a little bit creative. I know if our, uh, our friend Nikos was on here, he'd be saying sign Labotka, but um... he's not the same player though. <laughs> no, no, I, no. I, I love Labotka, but like he doesn't have that defensive output. Um, Sandberga, we had on a, on a list alongside Torreira last year. Um, loved him for ages. Like really legitimate passer, long passing range. Not as defensive, but he's a, he's a he's officially a unit. You want um, you want to you want to try these players, you know, you know, bring them in and see if you can develop them. And, and like I say, Tottenham's midfield is is it isn't just a case of looking for one type, uh, you know, looking for your Dembele type. It's, they run with different types of players in there. So I don't know, one or two midfielders that you can just bring into the squad. Obviously, you need to move people on, and the squad's maybe a little big, but a couple more names that fit the profile that that would be interesting. Uh, Angrisa from Marseille last year, who's now at, at Fulham. You know, that's another likely deal. <laughs> but yeah. by the way, if you guys don't end up with a stadium sometime soon and you just stay at Wembley, like all of these derbies are going to get, you know, they're going to be West London derbies all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, at least is one. Uh, Adrian Tamezi, or Tamizi, uh, at Nice. He looks pretty interesting. Basically, the profile is guys that are capable of destroying but can also pass and who can dribble through the midfield. Uh, like that's a very very difficult profile, and and in fact, like most of the time, what what I found in the stats is like that profile looks much more like a fullback. Like a fullback is is going to flag statistically, uh, not um, not midfielders because that's just not really what they do. Uh, so Senderberger, Tamizi, um, uh, Zambo and Gisa, uh, and there's a kid at Hamburg this season called Orel Mangala who's not ready, but if you're buying him slightly for the future, like that's a pretty good option. Uh, and that's mostly it. Like there are different types of midfielders, but like there are very, very few that fit this profile. And you can't afford Dombele. You can't afford Oar. Um, yeah, I, I think one of those two will go to City, especially since Leon have played so well against them this year. It's a classic thing. Like they played really well against our team, but our team is basically top five in the world. So like we should probably buy one of their players. Yeah, City do that, don't they? they but they, <laughs> they don't miss very often. But they do do that. And of course, central midfield like new, new Fernandinho is 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 the must be top of the list. That's the one position that you think that City would would want to go and go and improve it be it January or the summer Mary Lamina got t- tips around the place a lot last summer I think people liked, liked what he was doing but maybe he's got a little bit forgotten now in the kind of malaise of Southampton it might be a bit of that it might just be that he's not quite good enough right? yeah that's that's true I, I've still I've still got reasonable faith that um, it, when, if you can land in the in the world of Pochettino then he can he can get an extra extra few percentage out of out of a player As- Look, that's a genuine, that's a legit opinion. And I, I, I also look at it and say, you know, Bakayoko under Pochettino could be you know, really good. He could get the most out of him. Like, Poke is, is really good. We, we see talent go in there and he does improve it. The problem is just like the, the talent that has gone in 
generally has not been quite good enough. You know, second tier off of big clubs or guys that, you know, they got that we were like, you know, if you're like looking for the the top 20 at that position, then maybe that's the choice. But like if if Spurs dug a little bit deeper and did more stuff, they get Terreras. And Mm. do you know who finds those guys? (laughs) <laughs> we can do that. Oh ah, yeah, we it's, can do that. It's uh, it's not too bad. It's Welcome it, to the Stats Bomb Podcast, brought to you by Stats Bomb. <laughs> we did, we did, um, we again, we talked briefly about this because they signed um, both Lucas Moura and uh, Serge Aurier out of PSG, and I, I'm always a little bit skeptical about uh, signing players out of out of big clubs when they've won trophies and stuff. I think they they had the right age profile; they were still young enough that you could get some get good years out of them. And it's not always a bad idea, but I think you know you've got to tread carefully a little bit with them funny enough when this brings us on to our next (laughs) hang on there was one more uh you reminded me of them uh a guy that came out that looks like he is really good that's currently on loan at psg and might fit this profile lo celso it looks like he's really good anyway so uh so yeah moving on uh the guy yeah the guy we were looking at because it's still an interesting uh interesting player just from a kind of how good is he? Where does he fit? Perspective is Andre Gomez, who is exactly that profile of a player that's come out of a big club and trying to rebuild his career at Everton. Now Everton doing really fairly well. They've looked like a, a solid team, and he, he's getting some plaudits in there. Um, I think we we my main criticism about Andre Gomez is he wasn't good enough for Barcelona and I think that's that's been borne out but the, the new question now is is he good enough for Everton that's that's like a really strong question and I actually went to Twitter and, and thanks to the Royal Blue Mercy for, for filling in some stuff um, so basically like Gomez doesn't have a release uh, he's got yeah, what did he go for? I think 30, 35 million euros was what he sold to Barcelona for. And and the big thing, like, this has been completely blown out of proportion or, or like, you know, uh, people have, have said the wrong things about what we said, basically, which is that uh, we didn't think Gomez was nearly good enough for Barcelona. That was the big thing, right? Um, and the reason why he wasn't nearly good enough for Barcelona is because he looked mostly average. So he doesn't have uh, a release clause that we know of. It doesn't look like, or, you know, we're unknown as to whether it's written into the contract that there is a, an option to buy. Uh, so the question is, you know, how much is he worth? Uh, and are you interested at that price? So like, let's say that it's 35 million euros, like Barcelona just wanna just wanna cash out. They may have gotten a loan fee for him this year anyway. Are you interested at that level? Hmm. <laughs> it's, just, it's tough, isn't it? I mean... So what do you see on the screen? Like, what do you see in terms of his profile right now in the Premier League? He looks average, Ted. <laughs> Right, maybe so it's thirty-five million euros, right, for average, because that's the absolute minimum that you're probably going to pay. Yeah, again, it feels a bit Sissoko. Uh, you're you're not you're not getting the. This I, is a club that paid forty-five million for Guilfi. Yeah, it feels a bit Guilfi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This again, I I just, I want to go and go and find my own central midfielder that hasn't isn't going to come out of a big club with a premium and spend less that's what i'd like to do if i was in charge well and and that's kind of the thing that that we do professionally and and you know it sounds like guys talking about football manager but like we do this so it's not it's not football manager this is real life um i'm I'm kind of with you and and the thing is you know don't spend that much on average guys because there are a lot of average guys there are a lot of average to the premier league guys like the premier league isn't is a very good league it's not unique 
in that, uh, you know, there are like four or five other leagues that are very similar in overall player quality. Uh, so yeah, don't spend that much on an average guy. If you need to get one, like spend 15 to 20 and, and that that's fine. Um, so like Gomez does some things, but it's not like he's amazing and he has not been amazing. At no point does his profile suggest he is amazing. And that's the reason why we evaluate him this way. Yeah, I mean he's he's been fine for Everton, and you know, good luck to him, like kind of rebuilding his career and stuff. But yeah, that that's the thing. I mean, you're Everton. What what is your intention? Your intention is to somehow like transcend upwards into the top six, and you need, I guess, you need game changing signings to do that. There's always going to be a couple of solid citizens like Dinier, who's been okay there as well. So, so Dinier, I looked at his profile, and I was not happy with that deal. But he's actually been better at Everton than he's been at any of his last two stops, including Barcelona and Roma. Hmm. Um, so, like, I don't know if it's like partly the system where he's they're playing through him, or if he's kind of you know more comfortable here or what. But he's been pretty good. And then the Yerry Mina signing. So I didn't know what the number on it was, and I didn't realize that they had signed him. Um, but I love Yerry Mina. And the reason why I love Yerry Mina is he's a pretty good defensive center back who could just dominate set pieces. Like, this guy would be so much fun to work with. Like, Aiden Flint, I think, scored, like, somewhere between 8 and 10 goals last year with his head off of set pieces at Bristol City. And I think that I could do that with Yerry Mina. And so, like, that gives you, like, such a premium on playing for, like, a pretty – or paying for a pretty good defender as well. I would be interested in that. But allegedly, he went for $27 million. Yeah, that felt that felt fair. It was it was odd that he just didn't get a chance at Barcelona because it, it, his profile just feels like you know you need someone to shut things down. This this is the kind of guy that can that can do it, but yeah, maybe the face just didn't fit for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, that was that was the, probably the Everton deal that on paper I, I you know liked more more than the other ones. But they're interesting. Everton Everton's doing fairly well. They're you know they. They seem to have stabilised. Not it hasn't come cheap. They've spent a good deal of money over the years, and they've got this insanely bloated squad, which will probably there'll probably be some loans coming out. I imagine, in fact, I imagine some of the lesser candidates in in the Premier League will be uh, like trying to hoover up some loans out of Everton for guys out of favour come the transfer window. So, yeah, be interesting uh, the way that goes. Right now, what have we got next? We've got we we have the best graphic of the week that we're going to talk about on our podcast. You like this one, don't you, Ted? I mean, it's uh, it's pretty <laughs> it's amazing. As as good as Man City appear to be. <laughs> Do you want to finish that sentence? <laughs> Burnley appear to be that bad. Yeah, it's. And I'm not laughing at Burnley fans. I just found like so. I <laughs> let's. We, we should tell the full story. For those of you who are new to the pod, um, for years, Burnley have overperformed uh, traditional na- naive XG. Naive XG is like the XG that doesn't have defender positioning and goalkeeper positioning involved. And so for years, you know, I, I kind of made up this thing, is Sean Dyche a warlock? Like, you know, he, he's just completely spoofed uh, expected goals for a very long time. And the thing is, when we added our own data, that added some clarity to what Burnley do and aggressive pressing all over the pitch and getting defenders in the way of the ball. Suddenly Burnley didn't look as bad as they had before. They also had the ability to create plus EV chances that, you know, their style of play lended itself to spoofing uh, traditional XG. Um, now what we, what we're seeing this season. So last year we had them basically middle of the table, uh, right around somewhere between like the, the nine to 13 range. And like that's not nearly as bad as their traditional numbers would suggest in expected goals or especially their shot counts. This year, James, 
Yeah, it's just fallen off a cliff, isn't it? Like the ca- the the chasm between their expected goals for and their expected goals against is just it's about as high as it can get, isn't it? Because it's funny enough, it's actually <laughs> the the trends chart's actually plateaued when it's got as high as it got. <laughs> And as low as it as low as it got, um, in, in the <laughs> doesn't know what else to do with it right now. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like I can't go anywhere. And it's interesting because I think I I floated the idea that that maybe maybe Dice has got a thing going on where they they come on strong as a, stronger as the season goes on. That may be true. We'll see. But um, these metrics are absolutely horrible. Well, the and, game of the weekend, like you don't see mo- many games like this that are not Manchester City or, or Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, Except it was Crystal Palace. Yeah, <laughs> got the absolute beat down off Palace. It was like 26 shots to one at one point. 20, and, 29 shots to four total. Andrew yeah. Townsend had a goal and assist in this game. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, uh, low probability goals from Palace, but they 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 really did uh, apply the beat down. And this reminds, this reminds me of um, the start of 2016-17, where the, I think this is where the, my, my general kind of like stats-based what-the-hell Burnley stuff really kind of bedded in, because their numbers were horrible then too. But they might, I looked at it last night, they actually got up, at this point they had 14 points, and they ended up with 40 and stayed up um, with, you know, just... I think they were six points clear of uh, of 18th and finished in 16th. Now they're five points behind that that level already so far this season, and obviously they'd run a little bit hot through that section two seasons ago. Bottom um, three right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Southampton just made a, a manager change, and we think it, they significantly upgraded. Fulham also made a good manager change. Hmm. I, Dice has been there for years, right? I so there was this this. <laughs> it made me laugh because there's a story about Burnley and the science of manager hirings, and uh, and I was like, wait, what? The science of manager hirings? And I was like, when was the last time Burnley hired a new manager? Yeah, and it was 2012. Maybe that's the secret, Ted. You just hire one manager to keep him, come thick or thin. Yeah, it's good science, right? Like Stabi- it, it, the science of stability. It worked are. one time and we found the right guy, so we didn't make any changes. <laughs> and and I guess that's the question. Like, Do you think that the Daesh can, can right the ship, can fix it? Um, you know, he's done things very much his own way for a long time and he's been successful with it. They kept him after they've gone down before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like that that might be the thing. And you know, a little bit from the the pressure map also. So we're we're going to post this this graphic um and we'll post the pressure map I think as as well. But the pressure map is just dramatically different from last year. It is spectacularly different. And you very rarely see this in the same team with the same head coach. Do you know what do you know what else isn't isn't looking good for them? Their schedule's absolutely horrible. The next oh, is it? I, I hadn't even bothered to look at that. No, honestly. I mean, yeah, it's only something I flagged. Um, so, I mean, they they've got Liverpool tonight, or t- tonight or tomorrow night. I can't remember which. Anyway, uh, then Brighton at the weekend, and then run out, run up to Christmas. I think they've got Tottenham. Uh, they travel to Tottenham. They travel to Arsenal, and then and and Everton. <laughs> and that's Boxing Day, all right. So that's that's literally the next five games is four of four of the current uh, top six. It, it gets easier in January, I guess. Got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they've got Huddersfield and and Barnsley in the FA Cup, and then Fulham 
and uh, and Watford. So you know, it's it's not so bad once you get through the Christmas season. Right, you say that, right? Of course, you know these things ebb and flow, but they need to get these points because they're running. <laughs> get this for a run-in. Last four games, they've got Chelsea away, Man City at home, <laughs> Everton away, and Arsenal at home. home. So like, if you know, if if, if Burnley are, Burnley are in the relegation spots, uh, you know, in mid mid April, then basically they're going to have to remember that miracle run Sunderland went on when they started beating all the big teams and somehow got out. Oh of it. God. That was so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're going to have to somehow do some something like that to dig their way out. Or it's yeah, but like I say, it's 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 not looking healthy in in the world of Burnley right now. And I don't know what I, I can. It's hard to know exactly what it is because, like I say, they, they've been this before. Um, last season they weren't this. Now they are again. Well, and and to give you an idea on like the the sort of relative numbers, um, Burnley are a half a goal a game worse than Fulham are right now in expected goals. Uh, and as you said, Fulham made changes and we think they've probably got uh, decent talent in their squad. But after Fulham, like the next one is is Brighton in the in the numbers anyway. And that's, they're like three quarters of a game worse than Brighton are and almost a full goal worse than like most of the rest of the teams that they're competing against. So like the, the numbers look catastrophic. Um, Sean Dice might have to be a warlock in order to, to set the ship straight and, and keep them up this year. This is something I really consider. Just looking at their squad now, like they've, they've got they've got basically no one under about the age of 25, 26. So it's, I mean, some of these some of these players are, st- are still in a kind of peak age, but maybe this is maybe this is you know some of their some of their players are just a little bit older. I don't know. It's 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 an interesting question. Like, what's what has you know what has caused the difference? A lot of um, talk about their Europa League uh, exploits earlier in the season, but I think you know we're far enough down the line to think that that shouldn't really be having a massive impact now. But yeah, I don't we'll know. We'll see. So it's a it's been an exciting week already. We're not even going to talk about Mourinho and such. Uh, you know, Hughes left after after their draw. Um, but there's there's games tonight and tomorrow, so uh, I don't know if we'll be back in the back half of the week. But there's plenty more to talk about as things heat up this season. We get into the holiday run. Yeah, do have a look at the site this week, basically because I'm editing it because Mike's on holiday. <laughs> so everyone go and look at the site while I'm in charge for a week. Yeah, yeah. give James hits. <laughs> to give me give me my dues. But yeah, no, it's it's fine. We've got plenty of things coming up, and yeah, good to talk, Ted. Um, I say we're busy, so. We'll we'll come back again. All right. Talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.